Well, good morning, everybody. How's everybody this morning? We're all awake? All right. Well, welcome to your calling. Welcome to your calling. You are called to bless. And that's what I'm here to share this morning is about our blessing. Um, A grandmother was surprised to find her seven-year-old grandson made her coffee. Smiling, she choked down the worst cup of coffee she had in her life. When she finished, she found three little green army men at the bottom of her mug. Honey, what are these green army men doing in the bottom of my mug? Her grandson smiled and answered, Like it says on TV, Grandma, the best part of waking up is soldiers in your cup. You know, bless that little boy for wanting to bless his grandma with a cup of coffee. It could be as simple as that. A cup of coffee, a way to bless someone in your life. And I'm going to talk about that this morning. It's helping us to understand our purpose and our calling. Uh, We've been uh, looking at different memory verses over the past few weeks. And this morning's memory verse is found in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10. So we're going to put it up uh, behind me here. And I'd like us to recite this verse together, okay? Why don't we do that? We are God's workmanship, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. It says that we are God's workmanship. We are unique. You are unique. You are a work of art given special talents and special abilities to bless others and to bless God. That is how, what we are created for. And you know what? God created these special works for us to do in advance. He prepared these for us in advance. You know, finding our purpose in life is so important. We can run around and be busy with all kinds of things in life, but really not get much accomplished. When we follow God in his ways, we can find that with whatever little we give, he can multiply and make a blessing out of it. Now, I don't think there's a person on this planet that doesn't know Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa was called as a nun to the poorest of the poor. She went among the children and outcasts of Calcutta, India. And she served those people. People that would, be, that would just walk by them. Most people would walk by them, trample by them. But she went and she served these people. She took them into her own house. She cared for these people. And God bestowed on her, bestowed on her enormous influence, and blessing. So much so that she was able to walk into the United Nations and people would listen to her. She would walk into Congress and people would listen to her. She had tremendous influence. A lady just giving her life away for the poorest of the poor, the outcasts. So if you want to be great in life, you must learn to be a servant of all. Listen to what Colossians 3.17 says. Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God God the Father through him. I want to tell you a story. As I was preparing this message, um, 
I uh, like to go to my favorite coffee shop and do some work there. So um, I figured before I leave, I better just go around and tidy up the house and, you know, uh, do the, make the bed and, and unload the dishwasher and just make sure things are tidy. You know, my wife, Linda, she works very hard and I like her to come home to a nice clean house. I have to admit, I'm not, I'm not perfect. I'm still a work in progress. But I was trying my best. So here I am now at the front door. I got my jacket on. I got my shoes on. I got my bag packed. I'm ready to head out the door and I hear this voice. Load the dishwasher. Load the dishwasher? Nah. And I said, wrestling match started. I don't like to load the dishwasher. There's something about me. I don't like to put my hands on dirty dishes. That's, oh, I don't like to do that. But... I couldn't get away from it. I figured, you know, this would be a blessing to my wife if I loaded the dishwasher. So off came the jacket, off came the shoes, put my bag down, walked up to the kitchen, loaded the dishwasher. And you know what? It only took five minutes. But I knew it would be a blessing to my wife. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Must be a man that uh, clapped on that one there. That's great. You know, it's a tough job. Somebody's got to do it. It says, whatever you do, it becomes part of your ministry. Menial tasks can become meaningful tasks when they're done for the love of God and the love of people. Galatians chapter 1 verse 15 says that God in his grace chose me even before I was born and called me to serve him. So what happens when I start thinking about me all the time and start thinking about other people in my life? Not thinking of how I can be served, but how I can serve. It brings about four amazing benefits I'd like to share this morning. The first benefit is it will bring joy into your life. Now, most people are looking for joy and happiness, but they're looking for it in all the wrong places. You don't have, find happiness and meaning in power, possessions, prestige, pleasure. These are the things that most people typically look for. Popularity. You know, success doesn't bring satisfaction. Sex doesn't bring satisfaction. Salary doesn't bring satisfaction. Status doesn't even bring satisfaction. God wired us to give our life away. And when we give our life away and serve others, we find purpose and meaning in life. And joy is a benefit that comes through that. Now, most people don't realize, but there are two secrets to finding joy. And I'm going to share those with us this morning. Number one is to get our focus off ourselves. Let's get our focus off ourselves. The more you focus on you, the more miserable you'll be. It's no coincidence that the word miser is the same root word as miserable. You've got to shift the focus from an inward focus to an outward focus. From it's all about me to it's all about God and surfing others. Now one way I've experienced this is through a wonderful ministry that this church has put on for 10 years called Bethlehem Live. I've found tremendous joy in working on Bethlehem Live and I know that maybe I'm preaching to the choir here Uh, How many people here have been involved in volunteering or helping in some capacity in Bethlehem Lives? Let's see a show of hands. Fantastic. What a ministry this has been. You know, I recall 
uh, over 10 years ago, Walter Choppy called me and says, Dale, I could use some help with some construction on Saturday mornings for a few hours. Could you come out and help? We build some props and things. Well, the first inclination was no. I'd rather sleep in on Saturday. It's my day off. That's my first inclination. I'm just being honest with you folks. But you know what? I took it on. I went out. And the very first year, we put together these little props, these little uh, towers and different things we put together. And what a blessing it was. And you know what? For 10 years, God used the ministry of Bethlehem Live to reach many people. It took sacrifice. It took serving. But God did some amazing things through Bethlehem Live. I want to share some of the statistics that Bethlehem Live has, has um, we, we've experienced through this ministry. 1,554 tours have come through those doors through Bethlehem Live over the 10 years. Over 52,000 people have been to Bethlehem Live. And out of those 52,000 people, over 11,000 of them were unchurched people. 1,903 we recorded, responded to the gospel. Now maybe there's more. I believe there's more than that. Not everybody's going to respond immediately. The seeds were planted in many hearts and many walked out of these doors and we heard stories how people a year or two, he's still putting on Bethlehem Live, oh my kids got saved or I got saved through this. It's amazing what God did through Bethlehem Life. Over 45,000 cups of hot chocolate and lemonade were being served. Over 100,000 pieces of baking. 16,000 programs given away. And you know it takes over 400 volunteers to put on Bethlehem Live? That's amazing. And what a joy for all involved we get to experience. Everything in our culture says it's all about you. The advertisements we listen to on TV, it's all about you. Have it your way. You're number one. You're the best. But Bethlehem Live was counterculture. It's all about the guests. Every prop that was built, every word that was spoken, every light that was hung, and every tour that was given, it was all about the guests and them getting to hear the gospel of Jesus Christ. What a tremendous vehicle that was. And what a joy those of us who worked on Bethlehem Live get to experience. And I hope and pray that God will put on our hearts again to continue this great ministry in this church. See, the more you give away your life to help others, the more joy will fill into your life, will fill your life. Another good example is what the Apostle Paul says in Philippians 2.17. He says, he says that my life is being poured out as part of a sacrifice and service that I offer to God for your faith. Yet I am filled with joy and I share that joy with all of you. See, God wired you and I and he wired the universe this way. So the more unselfish you are, the more joy you will experience in your life. Philippians 2, 4 says, forget about yourself enough to lend a helping hand. If you lack joy in your life, if you're not happy right now, I want to encourage you to start serving. Find a place to volunteer. Find someone to help. Maybe shovel your neighbor's driveway. Do whatever, and you will experience what I'm talking about, this joy. Secondly, another way to experience joy is to use 
my gifts. Use your gifts to help others. Sometimes God will take setbacks and difficult circumstances in your life to show you what your talents and abilities are, what's inside you. And this happened to me in 2006. In 2006, I lost my job, and it was a setback. There's no doubt about it. Um, up until then, I had a great career and working towards, you know, thinking about down the road, one day I could retire and blah, 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 all this stuff, the typical American dream. Now I'm out of a job. I had an opportunity now to go on a mission trip. I'd never been on a mission trip before, but God led me to Africa. Ron was supposed to go to Africa with, with me, but he got sick and couldn't come. So I ended up going by myself and I went to Nairobi, Kenya and Kampala, Uganda. In Nairobi, I was with Mary Dirksen. Some of you may, not, may know Mary Dirksen. She goes to our self-congregation. Wonderful, wonderful lady. I'm going to share about Mary and my story there in just a, in a bit. But I want to tell you about what happened to me in Uganda. So when I was in Uganda, Africa, um, I had the opportunity to work with Carlos and Tanis Frey. Carlos and Tanis, right back here, they spent a year in Africa serving over there. And I got to spend some time with them. And one of the jobs that I was over there to do was to help build a concrete base. I believe the concrete base was about 20 feet by about 40 feet. It was huge. Now, I had some experience with doing concrete, but nothing of this capacity. And nothing like in Africa, where everything is is a little bit different than over here. So I put together a materials list that we needed to get, some, some wood, some two-by-sixes to make some forms and some stakes and things like that. Um, and uh, we showed up the next day and the materials were there, but none of the wood was straight. It was all warped or bent. Uh, it's, it's different. And then I wake up, we see a, three piles, a big, huge pile of cement, a big pile of sand, and a big pile of rocks. And we're supposed to put all this together and put it in this form and make a 20 by 40-foot slab of concrete so that they could put a, a container on top that would be a classroom for the children. And so um, we're, uh, and not only that, but the school we were working for uh, is, is a school for mentally challenged young men. So, and they were our work crew for the week or for that couple of days. So anyways, um, I was talking to Carlos. I said, Carlos, don't they have like a, a gas-powered cement mixers over here or something we can mix all this stuff together? He says, yeah, but they're, they're this much money in Ugandan money. I said, well, how much is that in Canadian? He says, oh, it's only about, it's about 20 bucks. I said, get the machine. Let's get it. And it comes with a worker for the day too, right? And so we got a worker and a cement mixer for 20 bucks. I said, I'll just pay for it. Like, just, let's just get it and do this job. So we worked away hard all day in the hot African sun. And we were right near the end of the day, getting it almost finished. And uh, I remember Carlos at the end was, went and got his video camcorder. And he's going around and he's recording a bunch of us at the end. And we're working and stuff. And this one fellow, his name was Emma. He's sitting on the steps. And he's just sitting there watching the whole day. I don't think he even picked up a shovel, shovel the whole day until Carlos comes walking by with his video recorder. And as soon as he walked by Emma, Emma jumps up off his chair, grabs a shovel, and he's shoveling away. And it looks like he was just working so hard. Be available. Be available for God to use you. 1 Peter 4.10 says that God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help other, each other, passing on to others God's many kind blessings. God blesses you so that you could bless other people. 
He wants to use our skills, the talents and abilities he's put in us to bless others. I didn't know what skills or talents I had. I have no carpentry degree or, or any, any ta- special talent like that. But deep down inside, there was things that God saw in me. And God sees abilities and talents in each of you. And he wants to encourage those out of you so that you can be a blessing to others. Secondly, it will improve our relationships. And boy, do we need this one. Your relationships will get better once you learn how to serve. And that's something that we need to practice. Why will it improve our relationships? Because the root of every single relational problem in your life is self-centeredness, selfishness. Marital strife, divorce, And there are other issues that come in, but the root of it is selfishness. I want it when I want it, what I want. You want what you want when you want it. That's the mentality. We need to break out of this mentality and look how we can serve each other. That will will release a lot of freedom and a lot of joy, and it will improve our relationships. Life is a lifelong task a lifelong task and school of learning how to become unselfish. Now, unfortunately, many people never learn that. They go through all of their life thinking only of themselves. The whole task of life and of why God puts you here is to learn how to become unselfish. Why? Because God is love and God wants you to become, be like him. So how do we learn to be unselfish? It's simple. Be like Jesus. Because he lived the most unselfish life ever. Matthew 20, 28 says, Your attitude must be like my own, for I did not come to be served, but to serve. So don't be interesting. Be interested. Be interested in others. And they will think you're the greatest person in the world. Because everybody is only thinking about themselves. I like this. People don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Uh, I'll tell you another story. You guys like stories? All right. This is a story. When I, uh, the job I used to work, I worked with a fellow named Randy Dortman. Um, Randy was the uh, sales manager, and he lived out in BC. And, and often he'd come out and meet me in Saskatchewan, and we would travel around Saskatchewan for hours on the road um, going to see dealers. But during those hours of travel time, we had the opportunity to talk. And I would listen as he would share about the music he liked, the hobbies he was into. He loved to snowmobile. It was a big hobby of his. Uh, he didn't know the Lord. Uh, but he was a good guy, and, um, and we would just spend hours talking about our musical interests and all that stuff, and I had the opportunity to share my faith with Randy. I told him where I was, where I was at with my, in my relationship with Jesus, and he seemed really interested. I told him about this book I was reading called The Purpose Driven Life. It's, uh, what on earth am I here for? And he seemed really interested in this book. When I got home, I sent him this book, and uh, that was it. I forgot all about it. A few months later, I was out in Vancouver at the regional office, and I saw that in his office, he had this book sitting on his desk. He came running up to me, he says, Dale, I've been reading this book. It's amazing. It's changing my life. I'm doing the 40-day thing. 
reading it every day for 40 days. See, Randy entered a relationship with Jesus Christ through our little talks in Saskatchewan, driving around. It was a few years later I had left the company. Um, I'm sitting at house group one day, one afternoon, and I get a phone call from another coworker I had. And his name's Aaron. Aaron call, and I answer the phone. Hi, Aaron, how's it going? Aaron is weeping on the phone. Aaron, what's wrong? He says, it's Randy. I go, what's wrong with Randy? He says, Randy's dead. I go, what? Randy died. How did he die? He said he was on a snowmobile going up a hill and he flipped over and landed in the creek upside down and he drowned. I go, how tragic. You know, folks, we, don't, we never know how long we have. Randy entered a relationship with Christ and I'm confident that he is with the Lord right now. We never know We just need to hear the voice of God and obey when he says, share me with this person. Share me with that person. You know, God will do the rest. We just do our part. God will do the rest. Romans 14, 18 says, if you serve Christ in this way, you will please God and be respected by people. Do you want to be respected by people? Then learn to have a servant's heart. I love Proverbs eleven twenty five. It says, "The one that blesses others will abundant will be abundantly blessed. Those who help others are helped." Now you might say, "I'm just too busy. I'm overwhelmed. I, I work so many hours. I don't have any time to volunteer." Well, you know what? You just forfeited God's blessing on your life, on your business, because God will not bless selfishness. God will bless you when you're blessing others, when you're volunteering, when you're helping, when you're serving. The more you give your life away, the more that God will bless you. Proverbs 17, 11 says, you do yourself a favor when you're kind. Isn't that interesting? You do yourself a favor when you're kind. And Proverbs 22, 9 says, a generous man will himself be blessed. Thirdly, it will make your life meaningful. That's the first big surprise that people don't know. The only way you find meaning is to give your life away. And God wired us this way. He wired the universe this way. Meaning does not come from money, sex, or power. The only way you find meaning is to give it away. Money, sex, and power is what drives the world. Ponder how much better it, uh, it is, how much better God is, how, more, how much more abiding he is. If you take money or sex or power and think about them in relation to death, death will take every one of them away. If that's where you find meeting, you won't get much. And what you do get, in the end you lose. Meaning comes from ministry. It comes from giving your life away, helping others in need. Mark 8.35 says, If you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, for the sake of the good news, you will find true life. There's good friends of ours, Reinhardt and Darcy Newfeld. Most of you know Reinhardt and Darcy Newfeld. Uh, They are currently serving as um, um, full-time in Romania as uh, on a ministry. 
And, uh, but you may not know this, 28 years ago, Reinhardt and Darcy adopted a little baby girl from Romania and brought her back and raised her here in Canada. But even way back then, God put in Reinhardt's heart, Romania. All those years ago. And during those years, uh, Reinhardt served and worked in Winnipeg as a carpenter, became a project manager for a big company, had lots of talents and skills and abilities that God put in him, and then brought them over. And seven years ago, they moved to Romania to become full-time missionaries. They sold their house. They quit their jobs. They left their families to move to Romania to serve the people there. Currently, Reinhardt is building a center called the Rosses Center, where it'll house, well, it's a very unique place, one of the most unique places in all of Romania, where it'll house abused women and children. And those of you who have been to Romania know what kind of a problem that is over there. And God is using the talents and skills that he put in Reinhardt all those years to now serve as missionaries in Romania. Now, I'm not saying all of us are called to overseas missions. Maybe it's just become more generous with your time. Maybe it's listening to other people. Maybe it's bringing donuts in for your coworkers or serving at a church function. It simply means hearing from God, what is God saying to you and obeying him? Everything you do for Christ has a purpose. It may seem insignificant and maybe no one else seems to know about it, but it's important. The Bible says that even if you give a cup of cold water in God's name, that it's a blessing to someone and you will be rewarded for it in heaven. And fourthly, it will leave a legacy. Do you realize that you will leave a mark? Your life will leave actually two marks, two legacies, one here on earth and one in heaven. I'm going to finish my story about Africa. Before I went to Kampala, I was in Nairobi. And in Nairobi, I got a chance to work with Mary Dirksen. Um, I heard a lot about Mary Dirksen, never met her, but I heard that she had worked uh, in, in an orphanage over there, and I really wanted to go and meet this lady. Um, 75-year-old lady, five foot nothing. Um, when I first met her, I thought, I did not, this was not what I expected to see, but God uses this lady amazingly. I followed her into the orphanage and saw what she, how she cared for these little abandoned babies um, in this orphanage. The babies that were, were, uh, were abandoned, thrown on trash heaps, brought to this orphanage, uh, all kinds of issues and problems, but they were given love and care and attention. She gave her life away to these babies. Now, while she was in Africa, she did a few other things. God kept putting things on her plate. She was willing to serve. She had a servant's heart. Uh, there's the slums in Africa where over a million people live, and it's intimidating. Believe me, I, I, w- I would be afraid to go in there. And here's Mary, walks in there every week and conducts a Bible study. In this, in this orphanage, or in this uh, uh, slums. And then on top of that, once a month she would go and visit her, uh, her daughter and son-in-law in Tanzania. And when she got to the border of Tanzania, you'd have to get out of the bus and go in and get your passport stamped. So when she got out of the bus, uh, you know, these Maasai women are right there waiting to sell all their trinkets and, and little crafts, and they'd be on you. And Mary said to me, she said, I was so scared at first, I ran back on the bus and hid in the back. And then she said she heard the Spirit of God say to her, God did not give me a spirit of fear, 
So she went right back out of that bus and she started preaching the gospel to those people. Amazing. Not only that, but every single month she went back, she, they actually looked forward to her coming. She would go and she would bring Bibles to the people and the Messiah women would bring their husbands and several of them got saved through this ministry. She was just a real servant. When we were in Nairobi, we had the opportunity to go to a church. Now, this was a church of 9,000 people. They had three services, about 3,000 people per service, and they would stand in line in the hot sun waiting to get into the church. But Mary and I were guests, so they brought us into the church. We got to go into the pastor's office. And as we were in the pastor's office, there was another fellow, Barney. Barney is, as you know, uh, the founder of the Salt and Light. And and he happened to be in Africa at the same time. And uh, there was this conversation going on between Mary and Barney. And something happened in that conversation that changed my life. Even to this day, they were having a conversation, and I remember Barney saying to, to Mary something like this, Mary, you know, you've served the Lord faithfully all these years overseas. You've been on the mission field here and there and everywhere. You've given everything out to the Lord. Have you ever thought about taking it easy, retiring? She looked at him and said, as long as God gives me my health and my strength, I will serve him. I have all eternity to rest. Let that sink in for a minute. That resonates with me 10 years later, 11 years. That happened in 2006. That changed the way I look at things. What is it? I mean, we have eternity to rest, folks. If we are in the Lord, we have eternity to look forward to. But while we're here, we are called to serve him, to do his work. Because God is building a kingdom, and he wants a big family in his kingdom. So the legacy that you leave on earth, it won't last very long. Because after about three generations, everybody forgets you. The things that you think are cool today, in two generations, are forgotten about. We're on to something else. But the legacy that you leave in heaven, you will enjoy for all of eternity. When you begin to serve, it gives you a reputation. People look at you differently. What will people say about you when you die? Were you a person that gave unselfishly, that helped others in need? All of us want to, you know, when we go to funerals, for instance, we hear about everything good that person did. I want to be someone who is thought of as someone who is giving and, and not selfish. I am still a work in art, or a work, work in progress, Uh, God's still working on me, nudging me out of my selfishness, out of my um, comfort zone. Um, But as we learn to say yes, and as we learn to hear the word of God and move out into those, that's where God can really use you and bless you. Proverbs 10, 7 says, good people will will be remembered as a blessing. The truth is, everyone here wants their life to count. Deep down inside you, you want your life to have significance. You want your life to have meaning. You want your life to have purpose. And you, do, you want to do something great with your life. And everybody wants that. And there's nothing wrong with that. To do something great with your life, you want to have, you want to ought to do something great with your life. But what did Jesus say about being 
great with your life. He said in Matthew 20, 26, if you want to be great, you must be a servant of all others. The more you serve, the greater you will be. Remember Mother Teresa. But nobody's going to see my secret acts of service. God will. Like if you clean up the table after everyone's left the room. God will see that. Hebrews 6.10 says, God is fair. He will not forget the work you did and the love you showed for him by helping his people. And he will remember that you are still helping them. In fact, Jesus makes this promise in John 12, 26. My father will honor anyone who serves me. So if you want to leave a legacy, then you need to start serving. Unselfishly, doing something in your life that you don't get something back. In life, we have three choices. You can either spend your life or you can waste your life, or you can invest your life. And there's, the, the, there's only two things that the Bible says that are going to last in this world. Only two. The word of God and people. So if you build your life on the word of God, and you help people, you are building something that's going to last forever. Amen? So I'm not asking us to take any giant steps and selling everything and move to Africa unless God says that to you. Maybe just a baby step. Maybe just get your foot in the water to begin with. Just to get started. In a few weeks, we're going to be talking about gift tests. We're going to be taking gift tests to find out maybe what special gifts do I have? What special abilities do I have? How can I contribute to the kingdom of God? How can I help others? These gifts are going to be very important. We take this to find out what it is. Where can I fit in? How can God use me? So what I'd like us to do in closing is I'd like us to all get into groups of three or four, just in small little groups. And I'd like us to just, in our groups, if we know each other, um, we can affirm each other. We can appreciate one another. Maybe we can see the gifts in the other person that that person doesn't see in themselves. Maybe you're in a group that you don't know that other person. Just pray that God will speak to them. God will speak to you about what your gift and ability is. So let's take about three or four minutes. No more than that. We just need a couple of minutes together just to quickly share back and forth with each other to affirm, to acknowledge, to accept, and to appreciate each other. Okay, what do we have? Let's do that for a few minutes and then pray for each other. And then uh, Ken will come and, and close.
precious to see the body of Christ sharing together and praying together about how they can serve the Lord. It's it's precious to just hear the murmur as people are sharing and praying and affirming one another and just affirming what God is calling or what God is speaking to, to each one of you or to various people. You know, that is the key. Of all the things you heard this morning, the key is simply hearing God and doing what we hear Him asking us to do. That's, that's what it boils down to, right? It's not about following some kind of program or some kind of, some kind of script. We all are just meant to look to the Lord, not to each other, not to compare ourselves with others and try to measure up to what they're doing, but just to look to the Lord and obey what we hear the Lord asking us to do. That's why hearing God is so important, because that's how we can be sure we're obeying. God has something specific that he asks of each one of us, and he doesn't just ask us once. He'll ask us again and again. He'll, like there's time, we don't just listen once for a lifetime or even once for the day. All through the day, we can be listening. Lord, what do you have me to do here? What, what would you have me do here? What would you have me do here? Let's just adopt that lifestyle of listening and asking, Lord, what would you have me do here? And, and just serving in the way God directs us. The way Dale did when, when the Lord said, what about the dishes? Putting the dishes in the dishwasher. He was listening and he obeyed. So why don't we just stand and the worship team will lead us in a closing song of worship to set our hearts in the posture we want them to be in through the entire week. If, if you don't know Jesus, if you, if this is all new to you, if you're, you're hearing about serving some God or listening to some God, and you're thinking, listening to God? I, I don't even know God. Who is God? Well, if you don't know God this morning, if you don't know Jesus this morning, we don't want you to leave here without meeting him. And you can know God. The reason Jesus died on the cross was to pay a penalty for all the wrong things we did so that those wrong things wouldn't come between us and God in a relationship with Him. God, Jesus took away all the things, all those wrong things that were between God and ourselves so that we could have a relationship, nothing between us. And God could use us for His purposes, which are meant not just for his glory, but for our satisfaction. There's no greater satisfaction than being in God's will, doing what he calls us to do, what he created us to do. So if you don't know Jesus, I want to just lead you in a prayer. I'm just going to pray very simply. And if you pray along with me, you can accept Jesus. You can invite Jesus into your life to be in charge of your life start a brand new life with him why don't we just bow our heads and if you'd like to just pray after me and if you've already prayed this if you already know Jesus pray along with me as well just as an encouragement to those who may be doing it for the very first time Father thank you that you love me thank you that you sent your son And your son was willing to die for me. To pay the penalty for my sin. I receive that gift. 
and I receive the forgiveness that means I have. Thank you for your forgiveness. And thank you for the new life that you give me when I give my life to Jesus. So I give you my life so that I can now live for you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you prayed that for the first time or to come back to God after being away from Him, please go to the back or you can come speak to me either way or speak to somebody who brought you this morning. Speak to them. We have resources for you. We have something we'd love to give you that'll help you on the journey of living for God. But now let's stand and let's sing this closing worship song and set our hearts in a posture for this week as we sing these these words. This is my desire to honor you. soul 